Hello, and welcome to today's Next Sense Institute podcast. My name is Trudy Smith, and I am the manager of professional education at the Next Sense Institute. It gives me great pleasure to welcome you to this, our latest series with our new site. Today, we've got Nathan Barlow with us. I'm very excited about this conversation. Nathan, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience? Oh, hiya. I'm Nathan. I'm joining you from London today in the UK. It's about 8am um, in the morning. A little bit about me. Um, I'm, I'm a guy who's into photography, rugby and old cars. Um, I'm an audiologist now, but I used to call myself a, a neuroscientist who does hearing and speech um, and how the brain adapts for this specifically for cochlear implants um, and how, they, how, the, how our brains learn to use them in a different way. I'll just uh, introduce you to me and hopefully our chat can be a bit more, a bit more informal and less um, technical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Great to have you with us, Nathan. So this is all part of our focus on... Um, people who, with, who are deaf or hard of hearing and, and the career. So I'm curious, Nathan, what answer did you give in high school when people asked what you were going to do when you finished school? Did you have a plan or a dream? Um, I had, a, I think, a very common answer when I was you know, 17, 18, in medicine. So lots of people, there's a, a good group of us who were like, oh, medicine would be cool. Um, and I think... My childhood view of it was very much um, that that's kind of like the bit, the best job you can do in the hospital. And I think um, as you grow up a bit more, you realise that house has many bricks. That hospital has many bricks. And all of those bricks are just as important. Um, so a lot of my life experiences along the way sort of redirected me towards um, doing what I do now and what I've done getting here. Um, I also remember talking to a friend when we were doing like those counselling, just career counselling at high school. It would be really, really cool to be a, be a surgeon. But I think, um, again, one of those things I look back on and go, that's a very high pressure job to have. Um, and so obviously my, my high school aspirations, I mean, I'm in the same field, I'm in healthcare. Um, but I think my, my vision along the way has, has changed. As it as I as I grew up and as my my views on things changed. Sure. Did you feel like there were any barriers to what you wanted to do after school? So you know, if you can tell us a little bit about what those barriers might have been and and how you overcame them. Yeah, I've had a couple of barriers. Um, I think it's important to talk about my experience at school before university, before tertiary education. Um, the barriers I had there, I didn't really see them at the time. Um, I felt I was doing well at school. I had friends. Um, I thought I could hear, but I really couldn't. Um, I didn't have the cochlear implant at this point. I had um, hearing aids. Um, I've been profoundly deaf since I was um, one and a half from meningitis. So um, I very much... Uh, that would my at that point at that age you don't know any difference. Um, so I 
I didn't experience a lot of barriers in school. I think my parents kind of dealt with those barriers on my behalf as a child and as a young adult. Um, my first big barrier in life was going to university during my first year of uni. That went okay. I thought I, I thought I'd done better than I actually did. Um, I think everybody has that in first year. Your grades go down a bit. Your first year being 18, 19. Um, so I didn't get I didn't get into any of the courses I wanted to do. I only got offered one that I didn't want to do. So I got sort of sidetracked into doing um, a Bachelor of Biomed, which was like a lab-based science um, degree. And my, my first experience at that point was I absolutely crashed that. I got straight Ds for a whole year. Oh, dear. And it wasn't from lack of interest. It wasn't from lack of trying. I actually had an almost perfect attendance record for the lectures. Um, that actually came up as I wasn't hearing. The class size had gone from a first-year class where you've got lots of support to a second-year class that's very busy, um, material getting harder, and I wasn't following in it too quick. Um, so I, that's my first big barrier that my, my hearing gave me. Yep. I just sort of stepped back and actually took a year out from uni and went, what do I want to do? I ended up getting the implant and going back and back into another university on a slightly different course, a course I actually wanted to do. Um, And then that went well for a while. And barriers there were probably very familiar to a lot of of, um, your audience. Things like um, audio-visual materials, video labs. So I've got one lab that I remember very much. So they're all presented... um, this is only about eight years ago, all presented by uh, webcam. Yeah. Uh, because they, they did it over, over computers. So you were doing your lab in front of a computer and the demonstrator was doing it in another room by a camera streaming to several large labs across the campus. And I, obviously, I couldn't do that. I was like, I can't do that. I tried. I couldn't do it. I had to flag it up. Um... I had to repeat that course with accessibility put in place. Um, they actually didn't meet that accessibility that second time. So um, they kind of dropped the ball yeah. um, for a second time in the same way. So I had to repeat it for a third time. Oh, um, my at this gosh. Point. At this point, I'm going down appeals. I'm trying to get extra Ds off my record, things like that. So you can imagine that there's some big, there's some big barriers there. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to move on from that one because that's a very big um, period of time. Um, we could talk about that the whole time. but That must have been really just, disheartening for you. I really struggled with it. Um, I remember the second time I actually marched into my dean's office. For those who, who want to wear a dean, is um, a very senior academic who, yes. you don't, as a student, you don't interact with. Um, you might know his name, you might have seen a photo of him, you might, if you're lucky, have seen him on campus once or <laughs> twice. Yeah. Um, and oh yeah, I remember going through some quite strong emotions at that time. We obviously sat down, we talked about what needed to be put in place, 
and then that agreement was broken by the other party, even if it was unintentional. Um, yeah. but, but how brave of you, Nathan, to walk into the office of that scary university person to, to talk about it. I mean, that's, that's, that's strong advocacy on your part. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's part of partly um, how I was brought up. Mm-hmm. I think also I think it was a very strong emotion that I was like, right, where's this man, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, that didn't, that didn't, act, my self-advocacy didn't actually get me the outcome I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, that that remained on my transcript, uh, two fails and a third repeat, so I passed. And I passed that with the help of a, a friend at the time who just went, I'm coming to your lab, I'm sitting next to you, I'm not in your course, don't care, I'm coming in, we're going to do the lab together. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah, so um, that, that's obviously my undergrad, I moved on, and my first good experiences in, in uni were um, postgraduate, where you're oh. working with um, with uh, researchers and lecturers and um, supervisors, a bit more one-on-one. Yeah. And that comes, brings us into some of the opportunities that have come out from that. Um, and I think... Uh, there was a huge opportunity where um, an academic recognised that my GPA, my grade point average, wasn't re- wasn't representative of my of what I could do because of the barriers that we talked about. Examples like that, and that's just one big one that I've shared with you. Yeah. There's lots of little ones as well, another one. Um, so she she let me in on her course, even though. Um, it's just yeah, different different perspective on things, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's the biggest opportunity in my academic career that um, that got me back onto trying to get to that goal yeah. um, of, of getting to the end of university and becoming a health professional. Yeah. Okay. So incredibly, yeah. So a great someone took a chance on you, and and it's paid off. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, we're here from a we're here talking to you from a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and we, we we tried to beat your colleagues coming back in, so we've got you at the beginning of your role. So, tell us about your role. Um, what are you What are you doing now? What's the work that you do now? Uh, so right now, I'm an audiologist um, that does um, testing. So I test hearing. So. Um, that diagnostics. Um, I do um, mostly hearing aid fittings, so fitting hearing aids for for adults, anyone over eighteen. Um, so that's quite a quite a normal opening job when you come out of uni, uh, newly qualified. Yeah. Um, so my job here, I anything that's uh, more complex like cochlear implants, I refer on to um, to my colleague. Um, so it's definitely been an interesting 14 months. Um, I, I finished, I finished um, my, my qualification and started my job five months before, um, before March in the UK happened, uh-huh. uh, March 2020. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> so it's, been really, it's been an interesting year for sure. Um, 
Uh, I think there's also, like, I consider part of my role is um, advocacy as well. Um, so I do a lot of that in my semi-official role. A lot of it's um, not necessarily connected to my day job, but um, it's very much the same skills and a lot of the skills like you referred to earlier um, about self-advocacy, doing that on behalf of other people. Um, and I do a bit of um, humanitarian audiology as well. So I, I, I work out, I've worked out in Nepal and I'm trying to connect back there to yep. do audiology out there. Yeah. That's kind of what I do with my with my life at the moment. Um, um, do you do you think because you've got hearing loss um, and you're working with with people who are being newly diagnosed or have continuing hearing loss, do you think that that makes you a better audiologist because of that perspective that you bring? I don't think it makes me a better audiologist necessarily. I think it for some for some people, some people that I see, it can make a huge difference in their perception of me. So um, I'm no more qualified or I would say probably less experienced than most of my colleagues. I'm, I'm new out of uni. Um, I think it changes your approach sometimes for certain types of patients, certain types of people, that certain types of hearing loss. Um, I think that's much easier to communicate. I don't have to sit down and sort of say, hey, let's spend 15 minutes talking about how I understand what's going on for you. Because that can be unspoken yep. for some people. Yep. Um, so in that respect, I think it's a big, big advantage. I'd be hesitant to put like better audiologists or anything like that on it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but, you, but, you, but, but as you say, it's that because you have that lived experience, you are able to empathise with the people that you're working with. Yeah, I've lived, I've lived experiences that may be similar to theirs, yeah. Sure. Do you have any, um, can you tell us about any access supports or something that, 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 that assists you in your role? Sorry, can you repeat that one? Yeah, no, of course. So do you have any access supports? Do you, so when you're having meetings and things, do you access a personal amplification system or do people choose deliberately where you're going to meet or are there things that are in place to su support you in your role because you have hearing loss? Um, I think one of the main ones that I put in, we put in place in an agreement had been um, telephone calls. So... I think when I first started, um, we do a, we do a year's placement in a hospital before you start before you start getting employed. Um, when I first started there, I quickly found out that a phone call is okay, it's hard, but it's okay if the other person has hearing. Yeah. So I'm calling a person who's got normal hearing or typical hearing. Um, and then I quickly found out, I think about a month in, that calling someone with a, with a hearing loss is not an easy, for them or for me. Yeah. I think having two, two hearing losses, and mine's quite a big one, um, even with the implant, um, I quickly found out that was, that was not somewhere we wanted to go. So that's <laughs> something that we've kind of drawn a line under and gone, ideally, I don't want to call a patient who has a hearing loss or a client that has a hearing loss. Um, and we will do that with a, with a colleague yep. doing that. 
Um, so that's one accommodation my team does for me. I can mm-hmm. I can approach someone and be like, hey, I need to call somebody. Um, this is the information. I'll sit down with them. They'll talk to, and I'll support them having that conversation because I've got the clinical knowledge that needed to communicate. Um, so it's like that three-way conversation that a lot of deaf people or hearing impaired people might um, be familiar with, yep. um, where you've got a third party in the middle of the yep. two people. Facil- facilitating the interaction, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's one way. Um, the other one is um, I'm very open about my, um, my experiences with uh, auditory fatigue. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working and I'm listening all day, yeah. um, sometimes it's fine. Sometimes that can come on and get, you get like a migraine, a headache type thing, uh, or just tiredness. And I'm, I've learned over sort of the last five years to start speaking up about that and treat it like any other type of fatigue and not try to hide it. Yeah. Um, which I think initially is your um, your first reaction is to go, I need to hide that. That's something that not everybody has. Um, if I talk about it, it's not going to be accepted, but it is. If you yeah. talk about it in the right way with the right people. Um, the, the, big one, the big one at the moment we're trying to work on is uh, masks. Mm-hmm. So oh yes. Working in the hospital. Yes. Big, big problem for everybody, um, particularly for people with hearing hearing impairment, um, particularly for those who use sign language or um, or lip reading. Um, I think at the moment we've been pushing for um, transparent masks, um, so I'm involved in that at work. Uh, I'm also involved in a project that's. Um, trying to push for that nationally. Um, that's still pending, that's still ongoing. Um, and we're, what, we're 14 months into a pandemic. So it, taking, it takes time and it takes um, multiple people talking up about it. Absolutely. Those, those, are ideas, those are examples of accommodations in my role where I think it's important that you're open and honest about the impacts of your hearing loss. Um, one of the ones I do have to bring up with, particularly when I work with new people, is mm-hmm. um, in in my in my in my field we, we have to check our equipment every morning. Yep. So um, you put the headphones on and you play. Obviously, you play the sound through the headphone and through the the special headphone that goes behind your ear. Um, I've had to adapt that. I've only got one ear. Sure. So, sort of headphones on, headphones flipped, yep. and then the uh, the vibrating headset, I have to hold it, feel the lows, sure. and then whack up the highs really loud. So there's an accommodation there where there's an informal accommodation where when I, when I work with my colleagues, they go, what you do isn't by the book, um, but it works. Hmm. It's still getting the same outcome. So it's common sense accommodation there, um, rather than a formal written sure. contract one. Yeah, absolutely. Does that give you an idea of what, what that's? That's brilliant. Entails? Yeah, that's a really great 
uh, understanding of what's, what's going on, and particularly during COVID. Like it's one of those things that has upset, you know, the apple cart for a lot of us. And it has made it more complicated and face masks have changed lots of things for us. So thank you for addressing that. That's great. Finally, what advice would you give to a student who's deaf or hard of hearing considering a professional role like yours? Um, I think the main one, I think especially for my own story, is about um, barriers. They will be there. They will be there for everyone, even, even people who don't have a disability or an additional additional need um, they just look different for everybody you've got individual hurdles that are customized for you um, in what way and they're not going to be fun some of them will trip you up um, and I think we I think hearing impaired people um, and people with hearing loss people who are deaf people who sign we all share very similar things with those barriers. Um, we all have common themes with each other. And I think at the time, my individual hurdle went right in front of you. It's huge. It seems fatal. You're not getting over it. You're not getting past it. Um, and it seemed really fatal to my aspirations at the time as a, as a younger person. I think... Um, I actually, like I said before, I took some time out from uni, so I actually quit. I quit. I gave up my aspiration for a whole year. I went and did other things. Um, I went and got my proper implant. I focused on rehabilitation, that kind of thing. I focused on traveling, having some fun, that kind of stuff. Um, and then came back at it. And that hurdle was still there, still the same hurdle. But, you, but you're ready for it this time, you know? Yeah. That's about, um, but how you, how you approach them and how you, how you run at these hurdles. Um, like another one, I, I nearly actually nearly got taken out completely two years ago by another hurdle that we haven't spoken about. Um, uh, so the, the, that one got very little to do with my deafness. That's completely, a completely different thing. So I'm just trying to point out that it's not necessarily barriers that are people putting them in because um, because of your hearing loss, because we have a different experience of life. It will happen to us anyway. Yeah. Um, it's about our attitude to it. Um, so my key message to people is um, to keep going. Your aspirations will happen. They may, might not happen in the same way you thought they would. So if you remember, I talked about my early aspiration was, hey, your surgeon would be really cool. <laughs> um, I look at that and go, no, that would not be cool. I don't want to be a surgeon. Not now, you know. <laughs> um, so it, it's a different way. And the, the journey you've taken informs those aspirations and those goals that you have. And it's, um, I think there's also a really cheesy bit of advice. Um, it's network. Network with people. Uh, talk to people, tell people what you're trying to do, even if they're not interested or you think they're not interested, talk about it. Yeah. Um, the conversations give you something, you know, even if it's just the opportunity to talk about it with somebody that's listening for a brief moment in time. Um, at its best, those kind of things lead to shaping those goals. 
where people go, hey, that sounds great. Actually, do you want to do X, Y, Z with me, with my team, whatever, you know? Yeah. I think that's really important when you're, when you're young and enthusiastic about putting yourself out there um, in, your, in your chosen field or goal that you want to achieve. Yeah. But some cheesy, cheesy advice, because I know everyone says network, network, network. Um, well, I think that's a particularly yeah. unique take that you have on that. I've never heard customised barrier before, but I'm stealing that phrase. I love it. Um, okay. But I think it's also that, as you say, when we, when we talk about our dreams, we enrol other people into those dreams. And then often mm. it will lead to more things, like your friend helping you the third time with your course because you mentioned that it was difficult and you've been given opportunities now because you've been brave enough to talk about your dreams. And I think that's really great advice. Mm. It's, not, it's not my quote, unfortunately. Somebody else told it to me. <laughs> no. Well, we, um, we both stole it. But, it's, but it's good advice. It's good advice. Is that brilliant um, advice? And I think, I think you've given us lots to think about. In, in this discussion. So really grateful to you for sharing your story and being so comfortable telling us about the difficult bits as well as the great bits. So thank you so much for that. I think there's going to be a lot of young people listening to this and, and getting lots from it. So thank you so much for joining us today, Nathan. It's been yeah. great. Yeah. You're very welcome. It's been my pleasure.